Cool, man. So I just have a, I have a simple word for us today, and, and I hope that it blesses you. I hope that it encourages you. But more than anything, I hope that you say yes to the invitation that the Lord's putting out to you this morning. Um, it's a simple word. It's, it's basic, and it's, it's back to the foundations of the gospel, but it changes everything, and this is what God's speaking to me about. Um, you know, in Zambia, I learned so much from my dad. Uh, you know, he's got years and years of experience traveling into Africa. And on the Friday night when we did pull the pin, you know, God started to move and then the demonic started to freak out. And to be quite honest, I panicked because I've, I've seen the demonic work, but that was like another level. Damien and I were like, just we're just like walking around like, oh my goodness. I'm walking to my dad going, what do we do? What do we do? You know? And he's just going like, just relax, like Jesus has got this, you know? And I remember Jess sent me a message. She's like, Jesus is doing more than you think he's doing. And as she said that, it just settled something in my heart. And I, I, I realized that the love of God is so amazing. The love of God is so beautiful. It never, God never wants to expose. He never wants to expose and nail. And he's never about conflict. He is about confrontation. But confrontation, the love of God, when the love of God confronts you, there's always a grace and an ease and a favor on you to actually repent and to change. And I watched as my dad taught me that lesson as I changed my approach. And we began to just love these people who were manifesting within the church. I mean, it was intense. And as we were loving them well, suddenly you could see the change over, over the couple of days that we were there. They just got far more relaxed. And uh, we learned, even myself and Damien, we learned how to handle certain situations the way Jesus would. You know, um, with an evangelist heart, sometimes you want to tackle things head on. And I just want to like, ah, just, you know, let's take the demon on head on. And God's like, just love him. And then the thing comes out and you're like, oh, that was easy, <laughs> you know. So I just want to encourage you, man. The love of God is so amazing. It really is. So if you've got your Bibles, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to get soaked, drenched with the love of God? I want to speak about true worship and the overflow. Um, I believe a couple, a couple of weeks ago, Celeste, um, she had a word about the realm of overflow and that as a church, we were stepping into this realm of overflow. And then about a week later, my dad preached that Jesus is overflow, that overflow is actually, he's a person, his name is Jesus. And I feel like what's happening in 24-7 right now is God is speaking destiny over this house. And there's some of you today that have been here that God has spoken promises over you, but you've actually, life has, has, has happened and experiences have happened, and they've spoken the opposite of what God said. And some of you have actually chosen to believe that. Some of you have actually allowed that truth to become a reality in your life. And I feel like this morning, God wants to remind you of the promises that He's spoken over you. And there's going to be this gentleness of the Holy Spirit that's going to come this morning and remove the lie and replace it with truth just by receiving the love of God. It's when you begin to behold Jesus that you become like Him. You know, sometimes we think that like, you know, when God shapes us and molds us and changes us that it's an uncomfortable, like, oh, it's a really hard thing. I often find that God does the biggest work in my life when I'm not aware of it. I'm just loving Jesus and just getting lost in His majesty. And suddenly I look at my life and I'm going, that's different. That's not the same. Things have changed. My reactions are different. My responses are different. I, I'm, I'm different. And it's not because I did anything. It's because I was just looking at Jesus. And I think I've, I've come away from this trip at Zambia just so stirred to make it all about Jesus and just to keep my eyes fixed on Him and to fall in love with Him more and more every day. And as I do that, He's going to make me like Him, and I'm going to be, begin to represent Him better and better every day on the earth. You know, with that lady, as I stepped out the car, instantly it was almost like an audible voice, back pain, and I could feel it in my back. And as I felt that, she comes walking around the corner, and she said, can I wash your car? And I said, you know, thank you, but no thank you, but do you have pain in your back? And she's like, you can see, she was like, quite, she said, yeah, literally I was holding my back walking to the car to ask you. Like she was in pain the whole time, and we got to just love her, and what was more amazing was like the healing I expected, but what was more beautiful was to see her and her friend who came to pray for her just get so drenched in the love of God. Their whole countenance changed. They were just like, and I think we've just got to keep it simple. God just wants to love people. God wants to love you today. God wants you to know His love in a deeper measure than you've ever experienced it before. So that's what we're going to unpack today. Can you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4? <clears throat> This is an amazing passage of Scripture. 
The context here is basically, it's Jesus and the woman of Samaria. He's at the well. The disciples, they go off into the village to buy some food for him, and he ends up talking to this lady. It's just him and this lady at the well, and she's come out in the middle of the day to get her water because her story's pretty rough. She's had a pretty hard life, and she's made some big mistakes, and she's quite embarrassed. And so society kind of has shunned her. And so she comes in the middle of the day to get her water, which is when most people don't. Uh, and Jesus just happens to be sitting at the well. That's what I love about Jesus. He's just, he loves to be where the people that are not, the, the forgotten and the broken, he loves to be amongst them. He wants to be with them. So Jesus is there. And uh, I'm going to kind of jump around in these passages, but we're going to start um, from verse 21. So they've already started having this conversation. We're going to come back to everything that they were discussing. But there's a moment here where Jesus speaks to her. He says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I was reading this yesterday morning, and something jumped out at me. It's verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. And then verse 23, Jesus says, but the hour is coming when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. So I'm reading this, and I'm going, okay, let's hold on a second here. He's saying to the, Samar the Sumerian woman, you worship what you don't know, right? Which we understand that. Then he says, we worship what we know, and, it, and salvation comes from the Jews. But then he says, an hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus is saying, in that moment, even though the Jews were worshiping what they know, it wasn't true worship. Everyone on that page? Because he just said, the hour is coming when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So suddenly God spoke to me, and he said, we've got to be so careful that we don't become used to the form and the function of how we worship, that we begin to worship what we know, and we forget to worship who we know. What does that mean? So God spoke to me about form and function, and I actually shared this with our worship team. We had a team day yesterday, and we were just equipping the guys, and God spoke to me, and He said, be careful that you don't get so caught up in the form and the function of how you worship that you forget who you are worshiping. So you can be someone who comes to church and you go to meetings and maybe you're committed. Maybe you're at services, you're at home group, you even have your quiet time or whatever, but your worship to the Lord is you're worshiping what you know Him to be. So you're worshiping Him because you know that He's real, you know that He's good, you know that, that uh, you know, He exists, it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, you've grown up in a Christian home or you've had an experience with the Lord and you easily fall into this place where you begin to worship what you know about Him. But God's saying the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And it's, it's interesting, the first time He mentions it in that scripture, He says, well, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So He's saying, before this, we worshiped what we know. Now, there's gonna, the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. So He wants you to know who you're worshiping. Because here's the thing about worship. You can't truly worship who you don't know. Think about that for a second. You can't truly worship who you don't know because worship is giving due worth. It's abandoning yourself to someone. It's giving him everything that he deserves and desires. If you don't know him, how do you know what to give? So what happens is when people begin to worship what they know about God, they just begin to follow the form and function of what they've seen others do. And that's why you get people that are living lives like unbelievers but come to a church service, lift their hands and sing, worthy is the lamb but they're falling apart, they're a mess, they're depressed, suicidal, they're struggling, they can't deal with life. See, God's inviting us as a community and as a church to know who we worship. You know, Courtney's writing a song at the moment that is honestly amazing, and, and some of the words are just incredible. That You've got to think about this. This is the God who sits in the throne room of glory, angels on every side. He's surrounded by songs of adoration. They fill the skies. He's... He goes beyond every horizon, further than the seas. He's higher than every mountain, but still, he's within you and me. You've got to begin to understand who's inside of you. And I'm pretty good. I remembered all the words. You've got, to, you've got to remember who's inside of you. You've got to understand that the majesty of the Father has been placed inside of you, and He wants you to know Him in your innermost being. He wants, to, he wants you to know the depths of His heart. You see, God is unlocking the rooms of His heart for you to explore. 
And every room that you step into is a new key for another room and another room, and another room, and there's always more as he begins to teach you and lead you by the hand into the depths of his heart, and the deeper you go into his heart, the more you understand him, the more you realize who he is, and then you're able to worship in true worship because it's in spirit and in truth. It's revelation and it's power. You see, when you worship what you know, it's form and function. When you worship who you know, it's revelation and power. There's a weight behind what you do and what you sing and how you worship because you know him. I'll give you a good example for musicians and guys that love to worship and love music. You can write songs or sing songs that are influenced by heaven, or you can write songs and sing songs that are from heaven. There's a difference. You see, you can write a song about what you know God to be, or you can write a song about the God that you know. <laughs> oh, man, this is so good. Just understand this. The father of, of all creation, the God who created everything, has placed himself inside of you with the intention and the purpose of being one with you so that you would know the very depths of his heart. That alone should blow our minds. That is absolutely wild. And God is saying, I'm, I want to create a, a culture and a community in 24-7 church of true worshipers that will understand how to worship in spirit and in truth. You see, we want to build a culture of overflow. We want to build a culture where people come and they are so full of Jesus that we splash each other with his goodness all the time. It should be a whole lot of fun to be here because you're getting splashed from the overflow of everyone's lives, and I'm splashing you, and you're splashing me, and it's wild. It reminds me of the time that I felt to splash water over people here. Gareth was in this encounter, and I just took cold water and just whacked it all over him, and he was like, shock. People thought it was the Holy Spirit. He was just freezing. It was like... But this is what church is supposed to be like. You see, church becomes seriously fun when a whole lot of people who know their father get together. See, because there's an expression of God inside of you that only you can express. And when you get together with me and the rest of the family, we all begin to come together. There's a, this beautiful symphony of sound and expression of art and, and, and creativity and, and worship that begins to flow from every single life. And suddenly the church is no longer just a meeting, but it's the gathering of sons and daughters in one room. It is heaven on earth. People should walk into the church and go, oh my goodness. This is something out of this world. This is another realm. This is another level. They shouldn't come in here and feel comfortable. Why are we trying to build communities of comfort? No, we don't want to build communities of comfort. We want to build communities of revelation and power where people come in and they go, whoa, I'm seeing this beautiful spectrum of the nature of God. God has to be real because look at these people. They know him. And then not only that, but they come into this power where God transforms them and suddenly they begin to unlock this expression inside of them and Holy Spirit breathes on them and they begin to understand that they were called to live in spirit and in truth. You see, if you want to live a life of overflow, you need riverbanks. You need riverbanks so this thing can begin to flow from your life to others. Guess what those riverbanks are? In the spirit and in the truth. Your life needs to be rooted and grounded in the Holy Spirit and in the truth. When you begin to understand that you were created to live in the realm of the Spirit and you were created to be defined by the truth of who He says you are, you opened up into this beautiful realm of free access to the realm of the Spirit and you begin to um, worship Him face to face, deep to deep, glory to glory. It's no longer just a song about God, it's a song to God that He actually put in my heart before I even sang it. Okay. This is, this is awesome. <laughs> okay, let's jump backwards. Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 7. <laughs> Same chapter, just a couple of verses back. John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I don't know about you, but if someone had that conversation with me, I'd be so confused. <laughs> give me a drink. Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Oh, if you understood who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink because I'd give you living water. Who are you? You know, it's like, what is this? You know? What's incredible here is God began to reveal something to me. You see, God's saying to every single one of us, give me a drink. But we don't know how to give him a drink until we receive a drink from him. 
God only wants to receive from you what he puts inside of you first. You cannot worship God until he's put worship inside of you. You know what's so cool about that? What I love about the gospel is every time I think that I've got something to do, God's like, no, you don't. You just receive, and because you've received, it'll flow. Okay. So, so Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And now she's just digging a hole for herself. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, he has a banger of a scripture, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Ooh. That is powerful. He's coming and he's saying, will you give me a drink? She's going, let me give you a drink. And he's going, actually, if you understood who I was and the gift of God, you'd ask me for a drink. I'd give you living waters. You'd never thirst again. Then you can truly give me a drink because I can actually receive the overflow of what I've placed inside of you. Oh, okay. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life that you may know him. So isn't it interesting that Jesus says here, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this water, this living water that Jesus wants to pour into us, that Jesus wants to give us to drink, guess what it is? It's the living waters of knowing God. The more that we know him, the more that this living water begins to gush from our lives. Guess what he's saying? He's saying, you just get to have fun for your whole life and know the best dad in the whole world. And because of that, the whole world is going to be transformed through you. You can walk into any situation, any circumstance. It can be the driest, you know, most horrible desert that you've ever seen, but you have living waters flowing through you because you actually know the one who is living water. Isn't it interesting that he says you'll never thirst again, which means that people, there's a thirst in our, in our hearts and in our souls. Our souls are thirsty, right? And water is free, is it not? So Jesus is saying, I want to give you the free gift of God, but it's a water that's not just going to leave you thirsty again. It's one that's going to satisfy your soul because Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. Oh, let's go there. John chapter 6. Sure, there's so much in here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this interesting? Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This living water that he wants to give you, it's himself. It's, it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. And when, this, when we get filled with this living water and we begin to drink of his nature and his goodness as a father, as we begin to know him for who he is, this well begins to rise up inside of us, this spring, and living waters begin to flow from us. And we never thirst again, but we always want more. It's this incredible thing about hunger in the, in the gospel. In the natural, you're hungry, you eat, you're full, you don't want to eat anymore. In the spirit, you're hungry, you eat, and you want more of what you ate because it's so good. And so he satisfies us, but there's always a desire for more. And I want to go down a little rabbit trail here in terms of desire before we come back to what I want to finish with. In terms of worship, if worship doesn't come from a desire to know God, it isn't worship, right? Let's just think about that for a second. If you don't have a desire to know God, you're just performing. You're putting on a show. It's just I'm supposed to be here. The natural thing is lift your hand. Worthy is the lamb. 
um, whatever. You know, you, do, you go through the, the forms and the functions of worship. But the reality, the reality is, without the desire for God, you can't truly worship Him. So isn't it interesting that God forms man and gives man the ability to desire? Now, this is, I'm, I'm writing a book on this because this is so profound, but God gives man the ability to, to desire. Isn't it interesting that the greatest attack on mankind is to corrupt desire? So think about this for a second. Let's use social media as an example. Social media releases a chemical in your body that's addictive, and it begins to build a desire in you for more of that release. So people spend more time on social media. So what is, what's the end goal? It corrupts your desire and steals your time, okay? Did you hear what I just said? It corrupts your desire and steals your time. Think about addictions. Think about, you know, it's funny. We, we, when we think of addiction, we think of alcohol, uh, drugs, sex, whatever. You could be addicted to your wife. You could be addicted to your kids. You could be addicted to your job. You could be addicted to the approval of man. Anything that's corrupting your desires is an addiction, right? Addiction corrupts the desire and causes you to give that thing your time. So actually, addiction is the corruption of worship. You understanding what I'm saying? If you have to... If you need desire to worship God, and if your reason for existence and the reason that you're still breathing right now in this room is because you were created to worship Him, if that's what you were created for, then the devil knows if I can corrupt the desire, steal your time, I can rob you of what you were born for, to know Him and worship Him. So now, guess what's so cool about this? Is that the Lord's saying, if you understand the gift of God and who I am, you would ask me for a drink and I'd give you living waters, that you'll never thirst again. So the way that we win this thing is not by trying to correct our behavior, not by trying to put things in place that are going to stop us from getting stuck in the addictions that we have, but actually going to Jesus and saying, Lord, I want to drink of the living waters that you've freely given me, because when you do that, you redeem my desires. Because my, the reason why I have desire is to worship you, and you, when you redeem that desire, guess, where, guess who gets my time? God gets my time. Why? Because He's redeemed my desire. If you've got a problem with time, you probably find your desires have been corrupted. If you struggle to carve out time in your day for the Lord, <laughs> you probably find there's been a corruption of your desires. Because the fruit of your life is actually a reflection of your desires. Because what you prioritize and what you desire most is what you give your time to, and what you give your time to is the fruit of your life. That's what begins to show itself. But Jesus is saying, don't worry about trying to fix your behavior and, and trying to stop all the things that you've been stuck in. Come to him and ask for the drink. Say, Lord, would you just give me that living water that I can be absolutely, I can just drown in that water. Because when that happens, you redeem my desires and I'm able to truly worship you. And when I'm able to truly worship you, I give you my time. And then what's amazing is that the spring begins to overflow and the people around me get touched with the very God that I know. Is that good? Come on. So awesome, man. Okay. Let's jump across quickly a, a scripture in John chapter 7, verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me. See, believing is not just to acknowledge, it's to actively partake of Christ. Jesus is saying, anyone who believes in me, this water is yours. And not only that, but out of your innermost being, living waters are going to flow so that others can drink and taste of the goodness of God because I want to use you to change the world. So what I love is that he's saying the only requirement is to believe. So believing is not just to acknowledge that he's real because that's worshiping what you know. Believing is to partake of Christ. That's what it is. It's to partake of Him. So it means to have a drink. It means to say, He's given me living waters. Now, of course, we're not talking about drinking the natural, but in the spirit, your soul. Allow your soul to drink of the living waters, the goodness that is Jesus inside of you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need to get our hopes up again. 
We need to get our hopes up because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. When we worship Jesus, how many of you felt today that in this place of worship, it was nothing else? You couldn't think of anything else other than how incredibly amazing Jesus was. We, got, we hit a level today where it doesn't matter what situation, circumstance, trial, tribulation, or struggle that you're in, it fell away because we began to exalt Jesus, look at Jesus and say, oh my word, you're amazing, Lord. Guess why that happened? Because you were born for that. You weren't born to deal with and try and handle your situations and your circumstances and figure them out and understand them and fix them and, and fix your problems. You weren't created for that. You were created to exalt Jesus, to know Jesus. That's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't yours. We stole. It wasn't ours because God was saying you weren't created for that. The very way that you were created, your makeup and your being was actually made so that you could house the living waters of God. So that you would be 100% dependent on Him. That your worship to Him isn't based on your situations or circumstances or what you're going through. It's based on the fact that you've been filled with Him. My desires have been redeemed. He's taken a hold of my life. He has all of my time. He's mine and I'm His. Is this okay? It's a simple word, but I promise you, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. This is true worship. See, true worship is spirit and truth. True worship is fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand and lead you into the throne room. And the second part is allowing the truth of God to define who you are. You see, you can't worship Jesus until you see Him the way that He wants you to see Him. See, what we do is we see God based on how we think He is, based on what we know. We worship what we know. Someone told me, oh, God's actually disappointed in you because you made a mistake. So now suddenly my lens and my perspective of God is affected. And God's going, I don't want you to, to see me the way that everyone else tells you to see me. I want you to know me. I want you to actually find my nature and my character in the truth and develop a clear perspective of the way that I want you to see me. Because guess what happens? When you begin to see him the way that he wants you to see him, then in that place, he begins to show you and reveal to you the way that he sees you. Not the way that you think he sees you, the way that he does see you. And when that begins to happen, suddenly you find a freedom and a liberty and you go, this is what oneness looks like. I'm seeing him in his perfection and he's seeing me in Christ's perfection. Now we can have oneness together. Now I can begin to overflow because the living waters are pouring into me, filling me and pouring out of me. And now I can actually become love to a dying world, a dry world that's full of corruption, corruption of desires. They've believed the lies. They've forgotten the promises of God. They are stuck. They are dying and they are desperate. And it doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. But I have the answer. And not just that, I've become the answer. It's not even what I say to you. It's who I am. You know, people go, Connor, how do you just have the boldness to just go and speak to people? I have no idea what to say. I've never walked up to someone and known what I'm going to say to them. I've just learned to do one thing. Open your mouth and he'll fill it. That's what I've learned to do. Open your mouth. Hi, I'm Connor. Now what? Lord, God loves you so much. It just begins to flow. You know, yesterday in our worship time, I began to, all of us began to operate in words of knowledge, but specifically God did something in me. He unlocked another level of words of knowledge in me that I haven't operated in before. And it was amazing because I've just, every, every person, I just went boom, 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 and I had nothing when they were talking. And then suddenly, poof, it just drops in your spirit. And it's like, whoa. And there's other times when there's nothing and I'm going, okay, dude, I'm just seeing the, and then suddenly, whew, it just begins to flow. Because there is something about understanding that it's never been about you. It's always been about God. And when that becomes the core and the, the foundation of your life, you're okay to open your mouth and look like a fool. Because at the end of the day, you're completely dependent and reliant on the Holy Spirit anyway. So if he doesn't show up, what's the point of me being here? You know, we went to go have dinner together. And I'm going like, we're just chatting in the car. We get out the car and God just uses us to minister to them. And I'm like, that's why we came for dinner. You know, we went to, to Zambia, and uh, we went to the grocery store, and we walked into the pharmacy. And as we walked into the pharmacy, there was this dude standing in the back, and I just saw God just on him, just, just the pleasure of God. So I just walked up to him and started chatting to him. And literally, I lie not, in five minutes, we knew each other. We just, I'm just talking to him and sharing, and I just started to, whatever came, I'm like, man, you're, just, you're amazing, man. Like, God just loves you so much, and I'm just seeing, like, the pleasure of God on you. And he's, like, suddenly getting quite, like, wow, this is so cool. And then he says, so what are you here for? And I'm sharing while we're in Zambia. I'm just, I'm being friendly. <laughs> I'm just loving the guy, right? 
and we're talking, and he says to me, man, you know, I used to actually work for a mission organization. I said, really? And he was just, he was just beaming. I said, what did you do? He said, man, I used to like drive the missionaries around and, and they would come from America and I'd drive them around. He says, but you know, two and a half years ago, I kind of fell away from the Lord and, and I haven't been serving him. And then I'm talking to him and he goes, he says this, he says, this isn't coincidence, man. He's like, I kind of feel like the story of Jonah. Like I've been far from God. I've been running away from what God's been saying to me and I need to come home. So I was like, bro, I'm just going to be praying for you, man. And he didn't come to any of the meetings, anything like that. A couple days later, Damien and I go back to the store, and we decide we want to go see this guy. So we go in again, and he's like, what? No way. Like, we come through, and we're chatting and just loving on him, and Damien and I are just encouraging him. And he says, you know, I've been thinking a lot the last two days about what you said to me. He says, in fact, like, it's, it's been on my mind a lot. And he says, like, I'm really trusting. You know, he says he's been working at the pharmacy for two years, uh, and now he feels like he wants to go study medicine. And he says... Um, I just, I need to know, like, what is, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the will of God? Is this, and we got to share with him and say, bro, it doesn't matter where you go, God's going to use you to change the world. And you could just see it was like, it's like just freedom, like, wow, you know, he was just so blessed and just rocked by the simplicity of two people that just go and love a guy. Because it's supposed to be a natural overflow. It's not something we psych ourselves up for. It's not something that we have to prep ourselves for. It's the overflow of who we are. Why? Because I'm not worshiping what I know. I worship who I know. See, when you spend time with him, you become like him. You become familiar with his voice. You become familiar with his nature and his character and the way that he operates. And when you begin to realize that this is the way that God thinks about people, suddenly he gives you his mindset and his thoughts. This is one more little thing, and then I'm going to come back and wrap it up. Can you imagine what this community would look like if everyone chose to see each other only the way that Jesus sees them? See, think about this. We use this term, call the gold out of people. When when you're digging out gold, it's surrounded by dirt. But guess what? The dirt is temporary. Right? The dirt is temporary. When you bring the gold out and you clean that thing up, there's no dirt on that gold. It's pure and it's beautiful. Imagine we looked at each other and saw the gold that Jesus sees and ignored the temporary dirt and began to inspire the gold to come through. That community, when we begin to treat each other and see each other the way that Jesus sees us, that's where you can truly belong. That's where you can truly be family. Because it doesn't matter about the dirt. It's temporary. Why are we putting the emphasis on something that Jesus took the emphasis off? Jesus is going, I'm about the gold. Forget about the dirt. I'm going to dust the dirt off. The dirt's going to be removed. But I'm about the gold. It's more valuable. The dirt is nothing. What's the dirt? Why are we emphasizing the dirt? Come on. We've got to be a place where drug addicts and and the broken and the forgotten and the the hurting can come in here and go, I belong here. Why? Because everyone looks at me and just goes, you're amazing. You're incredible. Oh, my word. Can you see the life of God in you? Can you see the expression of God in you? Can you see the future that you have in Jesus? People are just like overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Why? Because he's called us to be his hands and feet, his body that would demonstrate. And this is the thing. We will never be that community until we understand true worship. You see, true worship brings the overflow. True worship is what causes the overflow to happen. You want to see God use you for amazing things? Stop trying. Stop trying. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop, trying to, stop getting frustrated with what you don't understand and just put your eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to drink of your living waters. Because when that happens, he begins to reveal himself to you in ways that you've never dreamed or imagined. And suddenly you begin to know him as a good dad, as a good father, as, a, as an amazing creator. Is that okay? A little cool thing that I read here. The rest, if you carry on down uh, from verse 31 in John chapter 4, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Pause there for a second. When you are drinking of the living waters of God, you are sustained. You are always satisfied, always full. You have a food that other people don't understand, they don't know of. Because you're a spiritual man, you're a spiritual being. So when you're drinking of the living waters, there is a satisfaction and a fulfillment in God that no natural thing can actually 
give you. And so here they're going, okay, well, are you hungry? And he's going, I have food that you do not know of. And they're going, like, did someone feed the guy while we were out? And he's going, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish it. What's wild about that is he's saying, so Jesus knows the Father. He's communing with the Father. He's worshiping the Father. He's doing everything that he's called us to do. He knows the one that we worship. And from that place, the deepest desire of his heart is to do the will of the one who sent him. See, the way you live your life changes in true worship. Because when you get filled with living waters, you're sustained and fulfilled and you, you have everything that you need, but your, your purpose and your perspective changes. Suddenly, my reason for being here in this moment is not the same as yours. I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish all the work that he's given me to do. Did you catch that? Okay, that, I can't stay too long there. Let's just jump. This is just a quick thing that I thought was so awesome. Verse 35, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Before I jump on there, just think about what's happened here, right? Jesus has just ministered to this woman. She's got wrecked by living waters. He, prophecy has been an overflow of worship. He's prophesied, he's called out that she had five husbands, she's living with another man now, he's, given, he's read her mail, he knows exactly who she is, she's blown away, she's overwhelmed at this love that this man is showing her, he's speaking about living waters. Guess what she does? She leaves him at the well. Isn't that interesting? I'm like, if I've met the guy who's just told me my whole life story and is saying I'll give you living waters, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to stay there and just kind of keep him in my pocket and keep him as my little genie. No, like... I want to be there. But guess what she does? She turns and runs into the city, the same city that shamed her, to go tell them about a man that she knows is the Messiah. So guess what's happening? So the disciples have come and they've spoken to Jesus about food. He's saying, I don't need your food. I've got my own food. It's the will of the Father. And then he says, you know, do they not say that four months and then you harvest? He says, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white and ready for harvest. Guess what he's talking about? He's talking about the multitudes of people that are coming out of the city, walking towards the well with the woman to come and hear the good news from Jesus. So guess what? Evangelism is an overflow of worship. Come on, evangelism has nothing to do with whether you think you're introverted or extroverted. It has to do with knowing the one that you worship. Because there's an experience that you have when the living waters of God possess you and fill you and you're filling to overflowing. The first response of an encounter with living water is overflow. Oh. You need to go study this woman. Her name is Fatine. She died as a martyr. She was skinned alive and thrown into a well. Did you hear what I said? She was thrown into a well. She died in the same thing that she met Jesus at. Do you know that there's some wild stories about this lady? She was a phenomenal, phenomenal evangelist. She, she spread the gospel in the region of Samaria. Her sons, they cut off the legs of her sons, and her sons used to waddle around preaching the gospel. They split her sister in half in front of her to get her to keep quiet. She got the attention of Nero because she had had an encounter with living water. And the overflow of her life was consistent and every day people were getting saved and touched until eventually all they could do was torture her and kill her. There's another wild story in that, but I won't tell you because I think some people will actually freak out. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. <laughs> Jesus is saying, if you just know me, if you just understand that you're called for true worship, if you live in that place, you are going to reap a harvest that you didn't even labor for. Jesus has done it all. And he's saying, I just need sons and daughters, friends. I just need people that are prepared to lay their life down and go and fetch what I've labored for. Go and harvest what I sowed. See, we cannot separate intimacy and worship from the Great Commission. They are not separate. It is impossible to have a relationship with the Lord and to truly worship Him and not want to tell the world about Him. Is that good? 
I love um, Philippians 3 verse 8. I'm going to go there. Let's go to Philippians 3 verse 8 quickly. Philippians 3 verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, we want to know the power of his resurrection, but he's saying that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's in knowing him that the power of his resurrection becomes demonstrated in your life. This, that, that place of overflow where God just naturally begins to use you for the kingdom comes from knowing God. It comes from living a life in spirit and in truth, the riverbanks of overflow, where the living waters of God can fill you, where you can be so satisfied by who he is that you need nothing else. There's no situation too tough, no circumstance that's too disappointing, nothing that can squeeze you too hard. Because the more that they squeeze you, guess what comes out? Living waters. And I've built riverbanks, Lord, of spirit and truth so that this water that you are constantly pouring over me and in me can continually flow so that the world might know that they were created to have living water, that they were created to drink of his goodness and taste of his mercy. And that the only requirement to be a son and a daughter of God is to believe and to partake of Christ. We've got people sitting in the church today that don't understand this. They fill empty seats they attend, they go to meetings, they're committed to their meetings, they worship what they know, but they don't worship who they know. And God is putting an invitation out to every single one of you today and saying, I want 24-7 to be a community of people who worship who they know. Because when you know who you worship, the overflow is gonna be greater than you've ever dreamed or imagined. I was chatting to Krista earlier and we were just saying, the nations have been unlocked. This is an apostolic era for the church again. We've been reminded of our roots of what God created the church to be. And he's saying 24-7 church, the church, 24-7, 365, everywhere that you go, every person that you meet, the nations have been unlocked for you. And people go, what about the local? South Africa's a nation, is it not? South Africa's been unlocked for the body of Christ. The nations of the earth have been unlocked for 24-7. And it's time for us to say yes. You know what's amazing? We didn't have the finances to go to Zambia. But we booked the flights and put the date down and suddenly the finances came in. See, because we're saying, God, if you give me more power, I'll go. And God's saying, if you go, I'll give you more power. So tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and you're going to go. You don't have a choice. You have a job. You're going. God's given you a sphere of influence for you to reach. And he's, he's not waiting for you to say, God, give me power so I can go reach these people. He's saying, go reach them and I'll give you power. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you get alone with God and you begin to see him the way that he wants you to see him. And you let him show you the way that he sees you. And you find yourself in that place of oneness where there is no separation, no hindrance or no limitation. And in that place of true worship, as you begin to truly know the one that you worship and you begin to abandon yourself completely to him, Suddenly you'll find in your workplace there'll be an overflow that comes so naturally you didn't even know you were doing it. It becomes your nature, not something you try to do. It becomes who you are. True worship leads to the overflow of heaven. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Shall we stand? I just know the presence of the Lord is here because He wants to impart. There's an impartation that He wants over every single one of our lives. I want every single one of you to know that you are uniquely who you are because you were born for this time. And you fit perfectly, not just in 24-7 church, but you fit perfectly wherever God has placed you. 
is he's wanting to use you in a miraculous and amazing way. And all he's asking is that you would dare to believe him. Dare to put your hand up and say, yes, Lord. Dare to open your mouth and let him speak through you. Amen? So if, if that word has just grabbed hold of your heart and, um, and you're just aligning yourself with it right now, then I want you to, if, you, if you're comfortable with it, let's just lift our, our hands towards heaven and let's just ask God right now for an impartation. Father, we just thank you for this word. We love your word. I thank you for the richness of your word. Friends, grace and truth was not given to us. Grace and truth came. His name is Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. You have the living Word inside of you. You have the living waters inside of you this morning. As you drink of those living waters, as God comes to refresh you, as God comes to reveal Himself to you, it's so that you can become a river of water to those around you. You're a living stone. God is busy doing something miraculous and marvelous in every one of our lives. So, Father, you can see every person's hand here. You can see the cry of the heart, Lord God. You can see, Lord God, that we don't want to just be a group of people. Lord, 24-7 was never a church birthed just to gather a whole bunch of people for meetings, Lord go through the routine so that we can sing a couple of songs. You can tell us how we can have a better life. We were born for greatness. We were born to be your people. We were born to make your name great. We were born to be a people that would build a place that would encounter heaven and heaven would come to earth. We were born to be an oasis, a place where there's life of living water, Lord God, a place where people can come in and receive from us, Lord. The only true God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, as you see our, our hands lifted to heaven, that that's our cry, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord. I love what Connor was sharing. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by effort, it's not by performance, it's not by work. It's by the Spirit of God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was never ours. The tree of life was where we were meant to eat and be nourished from. That as we worship you, as we seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, as we put you in your rightful place, as we worship you in spirit and truth, so far, the living waters can flow through our lives. We come before you now, Lord. Every single person here, you might be in an old age home, a retirement place. You might be still at school. You might be at university. You might be in business. You might be the boss. You might be an employee. You might be this headmistress or the headmaster or the, you might be a teacher. God has put you in that divine place, not so that you can earn a salary and you can use your skill, but so that you can be the river of God, so that you can bring life in the desert, so that you can change people's lives, so that the cry of people's hearts 
who are desperately wanting the living word of God to come and encounter them. You have become that. That you can bring to them right now salvation. That where they're crying out desperately, wanting an answer, you can be the answer for them. Father, I pray today. Every single person here today, Lord God, we put up our hands and we say, yes, Lord. We dare to believe. Only believe. We dare to believe, Lord God, that you have empowered us. That you've come to dwell inside of us. Christ in us is the hope of what? It's the hope of glory. Glory is the very nature and character of God. Christ in you is the hope that your life can manifest and display the very nature and character of God in your circumstance, in your situation, in your workplace, in every single person that you come in contact with. God wants you to be His light, friends. Lights were never meant to be hidden. They were meant to shine, to put them on a hill and let the light of God shine. God, I pray right now that today, Lord God, you would have awakened our hearts to be your mouthpiece, to be your vessel, to be the life and the light of God to those around us. God, I pray that you would use us mightily. I pray, Father, as we just love you, as we encounter you, as we spend more time with you. Thank you, Lord God, that through that encounter, Lord God, you would enable us to experience the power of God through our lives, Lord God. The ability to take simple hands and lay them on a life riddled with cancer and watch cancer disappear in the name of Jesus. And all we ask to do is dare to believe, Lord God, this is how we overcome. We overcome by worshiping you, Lord. God, may you become our all. May you become a, the one that we worship so that you can flow. May we worship you in spirit and truth and let you become truth and let you become a life-giving spirit through our lives, Lord God. No longer do we have to look at our circumstances, our situations, or our workplace and just get negative and down and say, oh, this is a desert place. This is just, how can anything come? How can anything good come from Nazareth? Lord, we put up our hands as the foolish things. And we say, use us, Lord God, to confound the wise. Use us, Lord God, to marvel the wisdom of this world that you would cause us to be the catalyst for change in every single life here today Lord God I pray we were meant for greatness Lord God let today be a turning point Lord that every week we will stand up with testimonies of what you, the goodness of God what you've done in and through our lives I ask right now Lord God that you would do it not by might not by power but by your spirit Lord God never the same again Never the same again, Lord God. Never the same again. We say yes. Thank you, Lord. Your promises are yes and amen. We're running with them. We thank you, Lord God. This is going to be a great week in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen, amen.